Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to Seasons Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren D. McCoy, and I am so thankful that you pressed that play button. On this special moment of Seasons, we have an amazing woman. Her name is Pastor Nicole. She has been a mentor of mine for almost a year now. She has pushed me beyond measure (laughs) in more ways than one, but I am very thankful for her. I am blessed that uh, I have the opportunity to be part of her masterclass team. And she's just full of encouragement. She's full of knowledge. She's got an amazing testimony and you all get to hear part of it today. So without further ado, let's dig in. All right, everyone, thank you so much for joining us today on Seasons. We have a very special guest and her, this special guest, she's just so special to me. She's beautiful. She's single. (laughs) She's one of my mentors. Uh, I'm a part of her masterclass. And in that masterclass, she just empowers us. She loves on us. She spends so much time with us, encouraging us to be who God has called us to be, to walk in our purpose. And her name is none other than, I call her, her name is Nicole, Pastor Nicole, Nicole. But I call her P-Cole because that's just way cooler because she's just amazing. So, P. Cole, welcome to Seasons. Thank you for joining us. You are welcome. Thank you. I say you call me P. Cole because we're, we're tight like that. We just have that kind of special kind of special <laughs> relationship. Right, right. So, I asked uh, P. Cole to join us today because this is going to end out our series that we've been doing all month on just kickstarting our lives like leaving all that stuff behind where it was and moving forward, being a better self, uh, spiritually, mentally, physically, all of those things. And so she's got some good testimonies y'all. And the topic that I gave her or asked her to, to speak on is what are you going to do now? So you've tried everything else. So what are you going to do now? And so first let's, Let's have you um, just share with us like a little bit of who you are and and why you're just so amazing. Oh my gosh. Well, do we have time? I'm just kidding. Um, so yeah, so uh, my uh, ex-husband and I, we co-pastored a church for many years and we had a, you know, pretty large church, Lauren. It was, um, it the size of it wasn't so important as it was like we had just built a really great culture and some people have great experiences with experiences with their church and others didn't but like like our church like my life our church my family was I mean they were home to me and so we had a really great ministry and uh we created the kind of church that I would have loved to have been part of my whole life but unfortunately we got divorced a few years ago and so um now I'm back in full-time ministry and I pastored a church it was really large loved it so much um I got saved when I was 19 and I got like for real saved, like oversaved. And it took um, it took a while for God to work some of that early zeal out. But Lauren, like we just, I gave my life to building the church. And so when we got divorced a few years ago, I didn't really know what to do with myself. Now I consult churches, I help them. Uh, you know, I'm passionate about helping the regular ordinary Christian 
which I consider myself to be, right? Learn how to preach the gospel and fulfill the Great Commission. And so I help churches with I help churches with that. And then of course I mentor women like you in my master class who are the bomb.com and just super passionate about serving God. Um, so that's just basically like what I do now. But uh, I did not know three years ago that what I'm doing now was what I was going to do. I thought my whole entire life fell apart and was over. And um, it was just the hardest thing I've ever had to grieve in my entire life. So I'm super excited now. Thankful for my pastor is uh, Pastor Kim um, Jones, Real Talk Kim. And so I'm grateful she's given me a lot of opportunity in ministry. And so now I'm living out what I didn't know was going to happen a few years ago um, when I went through all the trauma. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And I mean, next month, this is like almost jump starting killing two birds with one stone because we're jump starting our love and marriage series next month so talking about that and the two kind of go hand in hand for you but um so can you just tell us like when I gave you that topic of what are you going to do now and just our brief dialogue in that what did what came to your mind like what thoughts feelings yeah so the thought and feelings that came to my mind was the trauma and how paralyzed I felt when all the tragedy happened. And I don't know if you know who Dr. E. Edgar is, but she was 16 year old, uh, 16 years old when she went to Auschwitz and she survived. She's 92 now. And she wrote a book called The Choice. And her life and Victor Frankel's life, Man's Search for Meaning, have really impacted me because you just think about the tragedy and the trauma that was Auschwitz and the concentration camps. And now she mentors women and people that have gone through um, severe trauma and severe loss and she helps them grieve and one of the things that she says is you can't compare your grief and your loss to anybody else's because right. your grief and your loss is your grief and your loss and so when you gave me this topic of what am I going to do now um, what are you going to do now it just made me think of the first thing that I had to do the first thing that you do right now when you first experience the trauma is you have to grieve like I had to I had to I'm a type a go-getter you know, D personality. I mean, I, I, you know, love all of that. But when I lost my marriage, who, when I met my husband, Lauren, I thought he was, I mean, he was like my, he was like the male version of me. We, I mean, we were just like co-partner. Like he was like the, my pastor, my mentor. And so when I lost my marriage and I lost the ministry, um, for so many different reasons, I had no idea what I was going to do, but I knew what I had to do was cry and I moved in with my mom and dad because um, we pastored in Northern California and so when I moved in with my parents I cried my mom said I cried every single night for a whole entire year oh. now everyone's grieving process is different but I think the first thing that you need to do is you need to grieve now you can't you can't stay grieving pastor I never forget having to talk with pastor Kim and I was I remember I was sitting on the side of the road ward crying and I called pastor like five times until she picked up and maybe like, <laughs> I did. I was, she's like, what do you need to go? I was like, I'm so sad. And she's like, she's like, I'm like, I'm stuck. And then, you know, yeah, everybody, you need somebody who's going to give you permission to grieve. And then you need somebody who's going to tell you to get up. Exactly. And, and she said, she said, Nicole, she said, I said, I'm so stuck. And she's like, you're not a tree, get up. And like she, those words spoke something to me and because I did grieve and I needed to grieve and I was sad. But I feel like um, a big thing that I had lost was was my vision. Like I, I had 
given so much time and energy to a vision. And when you're, whether it's the loss of a marriage or the loss of children or the loss of a ministry or the loss of a job, um, we experience so many different losses. And with that loss, oftentimes comes a loss of the vision that we had and what we were gonna do to make it come to pass. And so once I went through all my grieving, what now, what was I gonna do now? Well, like I had to get back to purpose. I had to get back to meaning. I had to make a choice that even though the vision had died, even though my marriage had died and the church was no longer, and I was still so sad about it, you know, even though all of that was gone, I had to make a decision, Lauren. I had to say, you know what? The gospel still has to get preached. People still have to get saved. I've got a great commission that I made a commitment. Like when I gave my life to Christ when I was 19, Lauren, I made a commitment to God. I said, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And and what I'm doing now and what I had to make a decision to do was that no matter what, whether I'm suffering, whether I'm thriving, whether it's a winter season, whether it's a summer season, I had to make a decision that the mission still mattered. Right. And I think that's when I got a revelation of that. It really just put me on this. Um, and I knew that, but I was so sad. And so I do say that you have to allow yourself to grieve. But then once you've cried all your tears, you can't keep going around the same mountain. You have to decide, okay, what now? And I think that's hard, Lauren, for a lot of people because a lot of people um, have never truly discovered what their purpose is, why on earth they're here. They're doing, a, they know what they do, but they don't know why they're on earth. They don't know why they exist. And I'll never forget, Lauren, when I was, um, like I said, I got saved when I was 19. I grew up Catholic. Um, I had had experiences with God and I believed in God. But I remember being in my sorority house and saying, God, if you're real, make yourself real to me. I want to know my purpose. And I read Rick Horan's book, Purpose Driven Life. And yep. Lauren, like, Good I remember book. telling my sorority sisters, I like started reading the Bible at downtown Starbucks. And I would go up to them, I'd be like, oh my gosh, you guys, God is real. Like, you can know God, like you can hear him. And so that, um, and then discovering my purpose, like why I'm on earth is to preach the gospel, to, you know, to be a witness for Jesus Christ that gave me something to go back to so when i went through all the trauma of everything that i had lost i mean i lost my house i lost i lost all the stuff but what i didn't lose bishop clip brown um is man um such an amazing man of god he said this to me when i went to judah church you know a few years ago and he said nicole don't look at who's left look at who's left don't look at who left but look at who's left and like who was left was the Lord. And so God really met me and he really brought me back to purpose. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm not married, but I am looking for a man of God who's tall, dark, and Latino. Okay. And you know? Yeah. So like, I mean, no more white guys for me, no offense. Like, but like been there done that. It's just not my thing anymore. Right. So like, anyway, so um um what was I saying before I started talking about? I get distracted. You're talking about like your your purpose and and just what Pastor Clint Bishop Clint said about you know your your uh, don't look at who left, look at who's left. Oh yes, yes, because I had always seen how I was going to accomplish my purpose was with my husband, was with my church, with our family. Like you know, I really believe that had we not gone through everything that we had gone through, like the people that were a part of my core team would have stayed with me for the rest of my life. I mean, we really were family, um, but. But since all of that was gone, I've had to say, okay, like I'm, I'm single. I don't know, you know, when I'm going to get married. I don't know if I'm going to start a, my own church as a single woman, or if I'm going to start a church with a man, or I don't know what that looks like. But what I do know 
is I still have a purpose. I still have a mission. And I would just go on. Um, I remember the first time, Lauren, a couple of years ago, I started doing the Instagram, you know, stories and Facebook stories. And I was so scared, but I just had to start. Yeah, I know you couldn't imagine me scared during my social media because now I'm just, yeah. She's yeah. so old, y'all. Yeah, no, I was like, I was like shaking scared. I felt, I felt so insecure. You know, when you're in junior high and you feel like, blah, that's how I felt. And so I felt so scared, but I just had to like, I had to push myself into not thinking about my situation anymore, but thinking about people. And so I just had to keep going. And I tell people that my life as, to be honest, my life as a Christian didn't look a lot different before I went through all the trauma. And then now, um, once I got divorced and even till now, it's because um, it's because I was always on mission. Even when I was pastoring, I was always preaching the gospel. I was always leading people to Christ. I was always bringing people into healing and seeing them get delivered and helping them to know God for real. And so um, I think if you do not have purpose, that's what you have to do. And if you're going through a trauma and you have forgotten what your purpose is, you got to get back to that. Because listen, learn a lot of people, I think that they get stuck because they are trying to find out their calling. They're trying to figure out what on earth they are here for. And the first step in finding your purpose is finding out who on earth you're here for and how you are going to help people. Our why we exist is always tied to our who we exist for. And so I think that if we can, when we're going through trauma and we're going through tragedy, we're going through loss, um, if we can get our eyes set on who we exist for, which is the lost, we are here to help people have a real relationship with God. We're reconciled to Christ and we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. And that has just kept me going. And so now, like, I mean, I'm so excited because I would have stayed pastoring my church, Lauren, for the rest of my life. Stood at the front doors of that church, hugged every face. But now I'm going to go all over America. And, and, you know, as God opens up the doors for beyond America, but like 330 million Americans. And I'm going to go and I'm going to knock on every church. I'm going to beg every pastor. I'm going to do anything short of sin to see as many Americans saved as possible. You know, and I'm going to equip and empower the churches and the pastors to release and empower people to do that. And I could have stayed there, but like what got me there in ministry wasn't going to get me to where I was called to go. And so I think what you're going to do now is you have to realize that um, it might not have been God sent and this is cliche, but it is going to be God used. And, yeah. and it, but only, only if you do what like Dr. Edith and Victor Frankel say is if you find meaning, is if you make the choice to continue on with the mission that, that uh, God has for you. Yeah, I think oftentimes, you know, we allow the circumstances, the heartaches, the breakups, the loss of jobs, the loss of a house, whatever those things are, to just grab hold of us and we just find comfort in that pain. If that, I mean, it's kind of crazy, but we find comfort in that pain and we don't allow ourselves like we just get stuck in the grieving stage of, of the whatever it was. And it's just like, no, you got to get up, you know, put the yep. boy underwear and panties on and get up and go like, because nothing's going to happen if you just stay in that place. So what are you going to do now? You're going to move, you know, yep. like, and, and some, it's easier for some people than, than not, but you know, you have to push past it. Like, like Pastor Kim says, mourn and move type of thing. And that goes in every situation. It's not even death. It, it goes in anything that you felt comfort in that's no longer present in your life. You have to move. You can't just stay there. And so, I mean, 
just just you as a person i mean you 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 acknowledge the fact that yeah you cried for a whole year your mom said you cried for a whole year but look at you now you know what i mean and in that did you feel i mean in that you probably didn't feel like nothing it's it just sucks right now but looking back on it do you feel that that situation helped you in your present well like i think that something that um like it's something that annoys my friends in ministry, but when they start complaining about the church or problems, I'm like, you're so lucky. Cause I don't think, you know, when you lose something, you really, really appreciate how much, um, how valuable it is. Right. Um, I think I want to say something though, Lauren is when, when, when we say mourn and move and we say, what are you going to do now? I want to be so clear that I think that I still was moving even in the middle of my storm, like even in the middle of my morning. Yeah. Because what the now moving doesn't always mean now I sound, think some people think to mourn and move is to um is to just to do a ministry again or start a career again. But what moving is is move into a place where you are actively doing something to move forward. So for me, I was I got I was in counseling. I went to like Dr. Henry Cloud's Ultimate Leadership Workshop. Mm -hmm. I was, um, I decided to sign up for Bible school because I wanted to be forced to read my Bible. So like I'm getting, I'm going to have a master's, you know, in in the summer and theology from Vanguard University. So all of that was how I was moving. And I didn't see it as moving back then because I was still mourning, but it was as you're mourning, move. And I think that a big, big thing, mistake that people make is they don't have connections with relation, like they don't have they don't have connections. They don't have relationships. Yeah. Whereas like the entire time I was mourning, like that's why I'm so grateful for my friends and my mentors now, because they're all friends and mentors that have spoken at my church previously, that knew me before, that knew me during and knew me now, because no matter what, when I was mourning and I was going through loss, I still had relationships. I yeah. still stayed connected to the church. I still stayed connected with people that were connected to God. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I was able to hear the wisdom of God through my friends, through people like Pastor Kim. Um, just to help me move forward in, in, in my life. Yeah. And that helps because I mean, a a lot of times people isolate themselves and isolation is the most dangerous place because that's where the devil wants us. He wants us to be isolated and not have any sort of influence, but him. And and that's when the depression seeps in. That's when all of those other things start happening, but we have to, I mean, I, I don't know any other word, maybe you do, but kind of be selfish for a little bit and and focus on you you know what I mean and and pour into your spirit and pour into yourself so that you can be better and that's a part of the moving definitely moving doesn't mean replace your husband or go out and buy a new car you know what I mean obviously you'd have to go find another job but you know what I mean just being spirit-led in your moving is so important and not being stagnant Yep, it really is. Um, I remember like when you're saying saying about like it's taking care of yourself and doing what you need to do. Okay, so that is even that is a part of understanding your mission. I st- I knew it's like I have a mission, I have a purpose, I have a vision, I have I have something I want to do for God. But right now, what what it's gonna look like right now is not starting another church. It's right. not starting my master's in the making program. It's not trying to find speaking engagements. That's not what it looked like. But because I had an understanding of my mission, right? Like I've got to, I've got to keep moving forward. So what that looked like for me was I've got to take care of myself. I got to move in with my mom and dad. 
and then thankfully I had them, right? So humbling, humbling. Yeah, humbling <laughs> myself, right? I gotta move in with my mom and dad. I've got to, you know, I've got to go to Bible school. I've got to, I've got to take care of myself. And the first thing I said at Bible school, I was like, listen, because you know, people find out your pastor and you know, and then and I'm like, listen. I'm really angry. I'm really pissed. I'm going through grieving. I know I've been a pastor. I'm not your pastor. <laughs> I'm like, so I'm going to ask all the questions. I'm going to go through all the stuff. And it was a way of me being selfish. It was a way of me saying, I need to figure out what I need to do to heal. It was getting counseling. It was spending the money. It was doing all of the stuff that I needed to do because I knew that if eventually, if I can get better, if I can focus on me, but always it was all about the mission. Or something I don't, I don't share, but like in 2014, I was severely depressed. Like I tried to commit suicide. I was drinking morning, noon, and night. Like I had, I mean, like a, a bottle of wine was like nothing. Two bottles was like, okay, I'm going to be hung over the next day. I was so depressed. I was, and I was full on pastoring at this time. The church was exploding um, and I was just overwhelmed and suicidal. And I mean, like really legitimately, but I remember what got me through was there was a few, um, there was one girl in the church, especially, and she was like six years old. And I just remember like all that got me through that was like, if I do something, so it's like, what am I going to say to her? Like, what is in that? And even just that, and like God healed me and he delivered me. And like, thank God, like, I mean, so I've been sober for seven, what is that? Seven years now. So thank God. And, and I, I don't struggle with depression anymore and suicide and, and God really did a work in me, but it was, it was again, the only thing that keeps us going is if we have a mission, is if we have someone that we're, that we are accountable to. Right. And always, Lauren, always like people, see, this is what people get, go through trauma and they get offended by the church. They get offended by people. They stay angry. And I just have made a decision, Lauren, that it doesn't matter what pastors and God, there have been you know, there have been awful pastors, you know, that have been, I mean, there, there's awful pastors, there's awful people, there's awful, there's awful, awful, but I made a decision, Lauren, that um, the church is my responsibility, that this generation is, is God has called me here. There's people that God wants me to reach and having that uber focus has changed my whole life. It had changed my life when I was 19 and it's still changing my life today because, yeah, go ahead. Say, just for our listeners, because some people still don't differentiate the church that you're speaking of is not a brick building right right tell us the church that you're speaking of i'm speaking of the church like the people of god yeah like other christians right um it's it's not a brick building it's it's the people that we have had a relationship with that have disappointed us mm-hmm. it's the pastors that we have known that have disappointed us it's the it's the people that were in our small groups that we you know, that we put our faith and trust in that have disappointed us. And so when I say I have a responsibility to the church, I have a responsibility to the world. I mean, I mean, I have, I am, I am a mother in the church. And so when you, when you think, if you think about this, like if you have, I teach people, if you have a child mentality, right, even as an adult, you can be 40 years old. And if you still view the pastors and leaders in the church as over you or as still able to hurt you or something then you're still thinking like a child and and i just like i've pastors and people hurt me but i'm like well you know what i'm a mother in the church i'm a leader in the church i'm a full adult so i'm going to continue to to fulfill my assignment and to build the church the people of god because 
There's more 19 year olds that need me to teach them how to read the Bible. There's more 30 year olds that need me to teach them how to come into healing. There's more 40 year olds that have never had anybody call out the destiny that's on their life. And so I'm gonna take my place as a mother in the church, as a pastor in the church, as a leader in the church, no matter what I've been through, because life is not about who's hurt us or what's happened to us. It's about what are we gonna do now? We're gonna serve, we're gonna bless, we're gonna look to the next generation. We're gonna look to our neighbors. We're gonna look to our family. We're gonna look to people all around us that we can that we can serve, that we can help know God. Right. And so, you know, to that person that might be listening and they're like, okay, well, you had money to do that, you know, or, or I, I'm, I just lost my job. I don't have money to go get counseling and to deal with all of those other things. But it's not even about having the money to do stuff like that. You don't necessarily have to go to a, an expensive professional counselor. You can go to church, the, the be, joint in with the body of Christ, join a small group, get connected to something that is going to spiritually uh, help you through your grieving, through your loss, through through all of those things that that are you're like, well, what? Why did this happen to me? You know what I mean? Okay. And and but I mean, I just feel like the choice is yours. You know what I mean? We we can be in a place of despair and and you know, it's life. Things are going to happen that we have no control over sometimes, and sometimes we do have control over it, but. The simple fact is we have to be cautious of every decision that we make, every person that we spend our time with, you know, just the things that we're feeding into ourselves. And, you know, you had mentioned the, you know, she always talks to us about vision, mission, and culture, culture right? Yeah. And so uh, people are like, oh, I, it's 2022, I did my vision board. And I'm set. <laughs> like, yep. That's great. But you're missing a whole lot of other things. Those are all great. Yeah. All great. God wants to see us all prosper. He wants to see us, you know, flourishing and all that stuff. But if none of that is part of our purpose or none of that is a part of the, pl you know, the plan, you can call it a plan, whatever you want to call it. You know, or if we're not working to towards it, like, oh, I want to buy a house. Well, are you saving up for a house? Or, you know, are you cleaning up your, like, we have to be intentional about what we're going to do now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So can you speak to that? Yeah. So here's what I teach in masterclass. And here's what I teach the churches that I, that I get to, to come in and coach and, and consult. You have to start with why. Simon Sinek calls it the golden circle. If you imagine a circle with two rings inside of it, the center is why you have to know what your purpose is and your why is always tied to who. So once you know why you exist, which as a Christian and as the church is for the lost, we exist to preach the gospel and make disciples. We are called, we are all called to different types of people. We are all called to fish for different types of fish. But Jesus said, come follow me and I'm going to make you fish for people, right? And life will never make sense. Even if you're listening and you're not a Christian, and what I'm saying, you don't understand. Life will never make sense unless you start with God. So you must start with having, um, with being reconciled to God. And if you draw near to God, he's gonna draw near to you. And then once you're reconciled to God, your purpose then begins to be reconciling others to God. And then, okay, once you get that revelation that life is about preaching the gospel and helping people know God for real, then you get to decide, okay, well, what has God called you to do about it? 
And that's where I talk about your strategy. So your strategy could be doing what you're doing right now, now, Lauren, having your seasons podcast. Your strategy could be doing what I'm doing, doing my coaching program and consulting churches and speaking at conferences. But like, once you understand your why you exist, then, then you know what to do. What I used to do was co-pastor a church with my ex-husband. What I'm doing now is consulting other churches, coaching women and, um, and speaking at conferences, right. In universities. That's what I do now. Now, when we're starting our vision for the, the, the new year, we have to understand why we exist. Okay. And then once we understand why we exist, then we decide, okay, well, what, what are we going to do? Is it going to be write a book, do a podcast, speak a conference. And then you have to do, you have to set uh, what I call wigs. And actually it doesn't come from me. It's the, the, there's a book called the four disciplines of execution. You have to set your wildly important goals. These are big goals that you want to achieve either by the end of the quarter or by the end of the second quarter or by the end of the year. And then you set, you set um, uh, uh, tasks that you need to do to accomplish that goal. And so, so I think that's so important, Lauren, because um, it helps us arrange our days. It helps us arrange our lives. It helps us decide who we need to get connected to. This past year, my whole entire goal was, I, I know why I exist, it's to reach the lost. I didn't know what I was gonna do though. So my big wig last year was figure out, Nicole, what are you going to do with your life? Are you going to start a church? Are you, I mean, what are you going to do? And so I hired a company, um, the purpose factory to help me, um, very expensive, very worth it to help me discover my purpose to help me discover like what I was going to do next. And <laughs> so I think things like that, Lauren, once you know why you exist, then you have to figure out what God wants you to do. And then you have to set those tasks to accomplishing it. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty practical. It is. I agree. So, you, you mentioned the, the things that you do now. So, yeah. but are there times when the thoughts of the past come up? Yeah, I was just talking to some of my former church members on Instagram this morning <laughs> because, because you're still sad about it sometimes, mm-hmm. you know? Like I still, like I still go back. I have, I say that I pastor my old church in prayer now rather than proximity mm-hmm. and they're still grieving. Like I still pray for them. I still pray for my ex. I still pray for all of my core team leaders. And yes, I do still check up on Instagram, on Instagram or Facebook on them from time to time. And, you know, and I think that that is part of, I think that I either had two choices, Lauren, I could either get angry or I could get sad. Mm-hmm. And so I chose that I was just going to, I was going to get sad. I was going to allow myself to grieve. And yeah, sometimes I still grieve and sometimes I still miss my church, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that that speaks to how much I loved them, not how, not how broken I still am. Right. Because if I was still broken, I wouldn't be having new um, women, new churches that I'm working with. And I do, I wouldn't be having new opportunities and I do. And right. so I think that I just, because I know that I'm doing things to move forward with the gospel. I'm doing things to move forward with my calling. I allow myself to grieve. I allow myself to look back. I allow myself to remember, you know, all the things that God used me to do and I'm okay with it. And I don't know. I mean, I'm not a psychologist, so I mean, I'm not sure maybe that's like not healthy or something, but like it helps me, you know, I'm not sure. Maybe that's like super dysfunctional, but like, it helps me. Mm -hmm. It helps me. I'm like encouraged when I look at the people that I poured my whole life into like I, one of my, um, one of the guys that was on my team, he built, uh, me this big, uh, like coat thing. You and your coats on, what is that called? You know, when you walk, what is it called? Coat rack? Yeah. Coat rack. Yeah. 
words are hard sometimes. Okay, it was a coat rack and I and he made it out of steel and he gave it to me for my wedding. Well, that's still in my house, you know? And so like I texted him and his wife and I just said, hey, like, love you guys. I'm thinking about you, you will always be in my home. And like, and then, you know, they texted back, like, we love you too, you know? And so like, I think some of that stuff, I can't be a part of their lives because it's too traumatic for them and for me. Yeah. But like, I can still love them and I can still pray for them. And that just keeps me in a really good place, Lauren, to be honest with you, because like, I loved them so hard and I gave them so much into building my church and I'm not going to stay sad about it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to stay stuck. I'm going to other churches and like, I love you with all of my heart, you know, and I love the other women that are in my masterclass and I love the churches that I get to pastor now. Um, and I'm so grateful for that. And, um, and I'm, and I'm excited about how God's going to continue to use my ministry. Um, but yeah, I think that you can go back and you can mourn like I do. You can go back and you can remember, but you have to, again, know why you exist and then have a vision that you're moving towards. Yeah. Without vision, people cast off restraint. If yeah. you don't have a vision, if you don't know what you're doing this year, specifically what you're doing, and specifically this year, I'm doing all the conferences and I'm going to all the churches and I'm getting all the women in my master class. But Three years ago, what I was doing was signing up for Bible school, was doing counseling twice a week. What I was doing in 2014, when I didn't, like, listen, I get it. In 2014, when I was struggling with, with alcohol and depression, you know what I did? I took six months off of six months off of ministry. I moved back in with my mom and dad. Thank God with my mom and dad. <laughs> and guess what I did? I went to Celebrate Recovery at a little local church here in LA. I went to AA every day, wow. every day, every day. Okay. And wow. I went to, I went to a little church and I got involved in a small group and I didn't tell anybody who I was or what I did and the body ministered to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so like, there's, there's no excuses. There is no excuses for not getting better. Listen, if Dr. Edith can survive the Holocaust and write, you know, um, New York uh, Times bestselling author do interview with Oprah two years ago. She just did a, 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 a Instagram interview with Holly Furtick. If Dr. Edith can move on, then so can I. If Victor Frankel can move on, then so can I. I am not entitled to stay a victim when Jesus died on that cross and he spilled his blood so that I can have the victory. Yeah. I have a, um, I don't have a right to stay stuck. I don't, and neither does anybody listening. We, yep. we have trauma, we go through hard things, we are allowed to cry, I'm allowed to look back, I'm allowed to be sad about it, but then I have got to do what I need to do to move. And for me, three years ago, like I said, it was getting the counseling, going to the Bible school, crying all the tears, okay? That was in 2019. Okay, 2020, 2021, it's about, okay, what next? And now, 2022, here we go. Yeah, so. yeah. That's awesome. So P. Cole has this on her whiteboard behind her. Y'all can't see, obviously. But um, your whiteboard says change and fear. What happens if you don't? What happens if you do? And I don't know what the last part says, but that's pretty relevant. Yeah, that's funny. So that was her last class in Masterclass last Monday. So, yeah. Um, my theology of leadership Lauren is the, the, my theology leadership starts with like foundations. You have to know why you exist, right? Um, what your values are and then what you're going to do like that. Those are foundational, um, in our life. And then the second part of my theology of leadership is the interior life of a leader. And in part of a leader's character is just making a decision that you are always learning and growing that change is going to happen. Right. 
right? And I put like change and fear. A lot of times fear paralyzes us because we don't know how we're going to do it. We don't know how we're going to get through. We, something happens, it's outside of our control. And then we are afraid and we are, we, again, like I said, we don't know what to, we, 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 something came like a divorce, something came like a trauma, something came like a loss and we're not sure what to do about it. Well, God always gives us vision. He always, he always has new vision for us. He always reworks. Joseph is thrown in the pit. He gets thrown in prison. Okay, but God is working the whole time to bring apart, to bring about a purpose that he had for his life. So God is doing the same with us. God has a purpose for our life. And so even though change has happened in our life, even though things have happened in our life, we have a choice to stay committed to the fulfilling the mission and the call that he has for us. And so here's what I tell leaders. I say the only reason you're experiencing fear is because you have not fully committed to the vision. And the reason you have not fully committed to the vision is because you have not totally bought into why you do what you do. Because yeah. listen, Lauren, if we really buy into why we exist, and if, and, if, and if our purpose really matters, then it doesn't matter if we're afraid, it doesn't matter if we don't have money, we will figure it out. If there's kids that are, that are, that are you know, burnt, like if there's a family, there's a house on fire and there's a family in it, I promise you we are gonna figure out what we need to do to get it done to save those lives. And yep. when you get a revelation of why you exist, you are a million percent committed to doing whatever it takes mm -hmm. to get it done. And a lot of times I ask leaders to think about what happens if you don't do the vision? Look, Lauren, what happens if I don't get up? What happens if I stay sad? What happens if I give up on church? What happens if I, you know, I'm called to the church. I'm called to pastor. What happens if I don't ever, if I don't preach the gospel anymore? What happens? Well, you know what? I'm sure God's going to raise up somebody else. But the reality is, is in his sovereignty, God has given us the responsibility to preach the gospel. So if I don't rise up and preach the gospel, and if I don't rise up and equip the churches and, and you know, give the pastors a little kick in their bootay and tell them to release control and empower the leaders, if I don't do that, then the lost don't get saved. The right. leaders don't get empowered. Then pastors, you know, like I just was in a church in, in East Chicago, then those pastors don't have a spiritual mentor mother pouring into their lives. That's what happens if I don't continue. Yeah. And then what happens if I do? Well, what happens if I do continue? Well, then I get to meet Lauren. I get to meet Lauren and I get to tell her how, you know, how amazing you are and the call that's on your life. And I get to pour into you and then I get to pour into the other women and then I get to pour into the other churches. And so that, I didn't see you two years. I didn't know you existed two years ago. I didn't know, I had no idea last year. Oh. But what I did know is there's women out there that need me to encourage them. There are, there are there are people that do not have a relationship with God that need me to preach to them. And so as long as there is one more person on this earth that needs to hear the gospel and one more leader that needs to be equipped and empowered and inspired to, to fulfill the call of God in their life, which is to preach the gospel, then I'm going to accept change. I'm not going to walk in fear. I'm going to stay committed to doing what God has called me to do. That's and that's, that's the decision that I made. Yes. Well, thank you so much. Like this was good. You, you like Pastor Kim, you dropped some, some strong heat real quick. And I'm just so appreciative of you. I, I, I thank you for stretching me because she'd be stretching me y'all. She'd be stretching me. You're welcome. <laughs> and, and so since you're on here and y'all Pastor, Pastor Cole has been, um, pushing me with my vision, mission, and I always forget the last one, but anyways, so purpose my purpose my purpose he call tell, it, tell us your purpose lord <laughs> tell us your purpose we my purpose this 
is to help the lost, the brokenhearted, the people that have been just wounded. And they might be all tracked up, meaning you might have the scars from the past. You might be just on your last leg, but it is so important for me to help those people to find healing. It's important yeah. to heal. It's important for them to find their purpose and just to walk in their designed calling that God has for them. Yeah. And you know what, Lauren, when, can I say one more thing? Mm -hmm. When we were talking and you were talking about like your, the purpose for like why you're doing this podcast and you were saying that you exist for the lost and the broken, that that might be all tracked up. Yeah. But what? They might, you but, might be all tracked up, but, tracked up. But healed. But healed. but healed. And I feel like if when I was going through everything I was going through three years ago and I was listening to your podcast, right? It's like, I might be all divorced. I might be all broken. I might be all, I might be all lost. I might be all forgotten about. I might be all wounded, but God's going to bring healing into my life. Yep. But God's going to bring purpose into my life. And um, I think that that's such an important message, Lauren, because we do go through wounds and that's why the scars are important. The tracks, like we might be all tracked up. We might be all scarred. We might be all hurt. We might be all wounded, but God brings healing. And I take great comfort in the terror of the cross. I take great comfort, comfort in the tragedy and the shattering that happened on the cross. Yep. Yep. Because it's those wounds that heal us. That's right. So you guys are going to hear me saying that more often. I'm going to be talking about my purpose and just ending our show with that. You might be all tracked up. You might be scarred and wounded and, and just on that last leg, but it's important to heal. It's important to walk in your design purpose that God has for you. And the only way that you're going to be able to do that is through him and your relationship with him. So That's right. with that, thank you, P. Cole, for joining us on Seasons. Thank you so much. I'll see okay, you. Okay, love you, girl. All right, bye-bye.